Good morning. Uh, this sermon comes with a bit of a disclaimer. Uh, about a week ago, I fell down some stairs and gave myself a concussion. So I've been out of commission for the last week, but I really wanted to preach this sermon uh, because I like this Ezekiel passage. And so uh, special thanks to Daryl, who was ready to pinch hit up until the 11th hour. And even more special thanks to Megan, who uh, played a significant supporter role this week as I tried to prepare and wasn't really supposed to be reading or using screens. So uh, we, we collaborated on getting this thing ready together. And I would say too, if uh, this doesn't make sense, that's my concussion and my problem. Uh, and if it does make sense, sort of like Peter on the day of Pentecost, you can credit the Holy Spirit with that. Uh, so anyways, I would like to start by uh, inviting you to do a breathing exercise with me. Um, so if you're able to, I would encourage you to close your eyes. Uh, and we're going to do a breathing exercise, breathing in deeply through our nose and back out through our nose. Uh, and we'll do this slowly and deeply. So breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Continue with that rhythm. Breathe in. Breathe out. And as you continue, I invite you to observe your breath. Notice, notice it tickling the top of your lip as you breathe in, or, or notice the cool air in your nostrils as it comes in, or notice the warm air as you exhale back out. Or maybe you notice your chest rising and falling, filling and releasing as you exhale. Notice where the air is in your body as you breathe in and breathe out. You can return to a normal breath and open your eyes. If you're like me, generally you take your breath for granted. And at the very least, when you're sleeping, when I'm sleeping, we're totally unaware of our breath that continues, 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 that keeps us alive, that gives us life. And it's only at moments where our breath is taken away for some reason that we really become aware of it, whether that's anxiety or allergies, a cold. Of course, COVID is something that is on people's minds, whether it's fear, things take our breath away and suddenly we become aware of the fact that we're struggling to get, to get our breath. The rest of the time we, we go around unaware that we are breathing in and out. I spent a summer during grad school working in Yale New Haven Hospital. And while I was there, I became more acutely aware of the importance of breath as I saw people revived or I saw people pass away and saw that it was breath that was key to the border between a corpse and a life. And I even see people, saw people go from corpse, death, to be revived by breath being given back to them, which was an amazing thing. I've grown in my appreciation of breath and my awareness of when it's not there or when it's gone. In the passage that we heard Marsha read this morning, ruach is the word for breath in Hebrew. Now, I've not done extensive study in biblical languages, but this is one that has captured my attention for a long time because it's a really textured word. And having now learned Spanish, and some of you know a second language as well, you know that when you go from one language to another, there are certain words that are really textured, that are deep. You can't quite translate into the other language. 
And sometimes even now, Megan and I will use certain Spanish words with each other in conversation because it's just the right word to capture what we're trying to communicate. Well, Ruach doesn't translate well into English because it means so much. It's so textured. It has such depth because along with breath, it also means wind and spirit. And as English translators have worked to translate Hebrew scripture into English, they've had to select based on the context, which of those words they will use in English. But in that something is lost. I want to have Megan read now uh, Genesis 1 and 2, uh, Genesis 1, 1 and 2, which is another example where Ruach shows up and is interpreted in different ways. NRSV, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. NIV. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Is it wind or is it spirit? What is it that hovered over the deep waters before creation, before that very moment? What was the spirit of God? It was the Ruach of God. It was the wind. It was the breath. The Ruach. As we are more aware of this meaning, of, of this word, of the spirit, of the breath, of the wind, I invite you again, having done a breathing exercise, to hear the Ezekiel passage, and Megan will highlight each time the word ruach is used along with this English translation. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the ruach, spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them, there were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, mortal, can these bones live? I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause ruach, breath, to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you. And will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put ruach, breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them. But there was no ruach, breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the ruach, breath. Prophesy mortal and say to the Ruach, breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O Ruach, breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the Ruach, breath, came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my Ruach spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. As we hear this passage again with the understanding of Ruach, of this breath, wind and spirit of God, at least for me, it takes on more meaning and more depth. And likewise, in the New Testament, the word that is often used for the same set of English words, pneuma in Greek, uh, it carries multiple meanings. It's a more textured word than what we have in English. It means as well breath and wind and spirit. 
So as we imagine the early followers of Jesus, this would have been part of their understanding of Hebrew and the Greek. When they would have thought of breath or wind or spirit, it would have been all enveloped into one, and they would have heard this scripture in a different way than we would have. Another thing that is lost on us sometimes as English readers is the gender of the some of these words. And somebody who I've appreciated is Elizabeth Schischler Fiorenza, who is a feminist biblical interpreter. And Wisdom Ways by her is a book that I would uh, encourage you to check out if you're interested in learning more about this. In that book, she talks about some of the key words that describe God's presence in Hebrew scripture, which for those readers, they would have heard in a different way than we hear in English, where that's taken away. And those words don't carry gender because each of these words is a feminine word. So as God is personified in each of these ways, we hear God as feminine. So we have the spirit, the Ruach, which we've heard about this morning, or also the Shekinah, which is the presence. And as we hear about the children of Israel going from Egypt to the promised land and God's presence traveling with them, it talks about the Shekinah or in the tabernacle and in the temple, the Shekinah presence of God, or also, especially through the wisdom scriptures, through Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and the Psalms, the wisdom of God is the Chokmah. And each of these words is a grammatically feminine word for the presence of God. And so as we think about our own Western tradition and the imaging of God through art and through our words, where God is this old white man with a long beard, it's helpful to hear some of this depth and texture that's in the Hebrew scripture that's lost to us as English readers. This complexity of who God is in multi-facets, sort of like we heard in the creative reading this morning. God is one who transcends gender and or encompasses all of it. So as I reflect on this passage, it carries all sorts of meaning for me. This Ezekiel passage about the activity of God and who God is in my life and in our world. I'm reminded that we are made through the breath of God. God creates us through breath. And we hear that in the Genesis story of the creation of Adam and Eve. We are sustained through the breath of God. We are restored and revived through the breath of God. And I was reminded of that acutely this week as I had an injury and it worked intentionally to breathe deeply and imagine my breath, imagine that air entering the injury in my head, understanding that it is our breath, it is God's presence that heals us and restores us. The Ezekiel passage again reminds me of the people who I saw receive breath back in the hospital. It is God's breath and spirit that gives us life. And it is also God's breath, presence, spirit that is so intimate with us. God's spirit, like our breath, is intimate to us. That God's presence is with us as constantly as our breath is, even when we're unaware of it. And for me, it was a long time ago that I was already reflecting on this and thinking about the Ezekiel passage and this Ruach, meaning that I decided that I wanted a tattoo of the word Ruach, which is now on my shoulder. And I sat with that for several years before I got it because I wanted to know it was significant enough. And it remains so significant to me because it's this reminder whenever I see it, that God's spirit is as intimate with me in my life as my own breath. Even when I forget that God is present, even when I forget that I am breathing, it is God's spirit and breath and life that sustain me. It is the Ruach of God that is connected to creation and imagination and prophecy and life throughout the scriptures. God's spirit is moving and active. And I think of the way that creativity and imagination and prophecy 
shape and change our world. And I think of examples specifically in our congregation of Roland creating his vine art that we saw in front of us, or Phyllis's cookbooks, or the imagination and creativity that gave birth to Chestnut Housing to address housing needs in our community. These are specific ways that the Spirit inspires creativity and life in our world. We are called into this prophetic tradition, into this prophetic activity in our world. Because throughout the Old Testament, we hear over and over again that the Spirit descends on prophets and kings and leaders. And likewise, the Spirit descends on us as God's followers. In Ezekiel, we have the prophesy, we, we hear that Ezekiel is called to prophesy to the breath. But it is Ezekiel who has an active role in calling that breath, in inviting that breath to enter these corpses that they might live. We are invited to call life out of death, like Ezekiel, or like Jesus, who calls Lazarus from the dead and speaks life and breath and spirit into Lazarus again. And it is the same spirit that Jesus promises to the disciples. In John 14 and 15, he tells them of the spirit that will come, that will be with them, even though he will not be with them physically. And later when he appears to them, we read in John 20, 21 and 22, that Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so again, as the disciples are gathered on Pentecost, on this day that we celebrate today, they're waiting for the Spirit to come. They're gathered in a room. Still, it seems a bit fearful. And suddenly they hear the Spirit in the sound of a rushing wind, which of course to them, to their Hebrew ears, would have meant this is the Spirit, this is the breath, this is the wind of God breathing on us. And they saw the tongues of fire above them. And we see in that story the transformation that the Spirit brings. And Peter is a prime example of this. Peter, who denied Jesus, who hid, who, who kept at a distance when Jesus was arrested and crucified. This Peter who often got things wrong, who stuck his foot in his mouth over and over and over again. Peter, who was afraid. That same Peter, empowered by the Spirit, gets up and prophesies and preaches in the power of the Spirit, without fear, in front of the crowd, and speaks clearly and eloquently to them about the saving work of Jesus and the life that comes through the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit is within us. Like the Spirit was within and upon the disciples, we can breathe deeply of God's Spirit and we can be restored in our areas of brokenness. There's a lot of research that shows that breath combined with movement, with practice like yoga and meditation, has real healing and restorative powers. And so again, this week, I have actually imagined my breath entering my brain and bringing that healing, trusting that it is the spirit of God that is restoring and healing me. As we think of various forms of trauma, that we experience, including physical trauma, but emotional, all sorts of trauma that we experience. It is the practice of breathing and yoga and meditation and prayer that can bring restoration and healing in our lives. The spirit of God is as close to us as our very own breath. The Ruach of God is 
the spirit and the breath, one and the same. I'm going to invite Megan to read a quote from theologian Friedrich Buechner that describes this nearness and presence of God in our lives. If we only had eyes to see and ears to hear and wits to understand, we would know that the kingdom of God in the sense of holiness, goodness, beauty is as close as breathing and is crying out to be born within ourselves and within the world. We would know that the kingdom of God is what we, what we all of us hunger for above all other things, even when we don't know its name or realize that it's what we're starving to death for. The kingdom of God is where our best dreams come from and our truest prayers. We glimpse it at those moments when we find ourselves being better than we are and wiser than we know. We catch sight of it when at some moment of crisis, a strength seems to come to us that is greater than our own strength. The kingdom of God is where we belong. It is our home. It is where, whether we, it is home and whether we realize it or not, I think we are all of us homesick for it. So maybe it's no surprise with this understanding of the spirit of the breath of God that Jesus tells us as his followers, the kingdom of God is within you. So what does this mean for our world beyond our own lives and our own restoration and healing? What are the dry bones in our lives and communities and the world? Where is there death? Where is life needed? I'd say that in racism and sexism, in xenophobia and all the forms of isms, in the conjoined twins of racism, and capitalism in a world, both the environment and the people who are dying from overconsumption, in addiction and abuse, in poverty and homelessness, in those unable to access healthcare, in the plight of refugees of native populations worldwide who are pushed from their lands and their lifestyles. In all of these places, there is death and there is the need for the spirit of life. So we are asked, mortal, can these bones live? And our answer, oh Lord God, only you know. And God says to us, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath, life, spirit to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin, and I will put my breath, my ruach, in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. So I think maybe an interpretation of this is that problems in our world and in our lives that seem beyond all solution, those problems that we often, that often we forget and wear ourselves out trying to fix. Sometimes we get caught up trying to solve the social problems in our world and in our own lives. And we can forget that we have access to this incredible, imaginative, creative spirit of God that we can ask to give us wisdom and to think differently about the solutions that are needed. We are called to participate in the creativity and the healing and the life of the spirit, which is just as close to us as our very own breath. The Ruach the presence of God is within us, as close to us as our very own breath. I invite you to close this time uh, by engaging in the breathing exercise. Again, having reflected on this and imagining that this is the breath, the spirit of God entering us, giving us life and life that we can offer the world. Close your eyes if you're able. 
Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Open your eyes and return to your normal breath. And remember that the spirit of God is within you as close to you as your very own breath. Amen.